from Kurtco Media. Travel It Matters MasterChef series is brought to you by Accor, a world-leading hospitality group. And brought to you by Stone Street Estate Vineyards in Sonoma County, California. Coming up on the show. But then even being able to go upstairs and work with the amazing women who run the kitchens there and, you know, hand grind masa, make mole, buy stone and make a lunch out of that. You know, that truly is experiences that really cap a year of travel. That's Chef Gregory Gourdet. I'm Bruce Wallen. And this is Travel That Matters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Travel That Matters Master Chef series, where we are talking to some of the world's top chefs about their most amazing travel experiences, their favorite food destinations, and much, much more. I'm your host, Bruce Wallen, and one of the things that I love about hosting the show is, well, of course, all the fascinating people that I get to to interview, but it's also about all the great ideas and insights that they have and, and how those inspire me in my own travels. And honestly, I can't think of a better example than my guest today. His name is Gregory Gorday, and you probably know him as a two-time finalist on the TV show Top Chef. Gregory is a first-generation Haitian-American who grew up in New York and now lives in Portland, Oregon. He opened a Haitian restaurant in Portland called Khan last summer, and it has been a huge hit. Esquire named it the best new restaurant in the U.S. in 2022. A few other fun facts about Gregory. He is a James Beard Award-winning cookbook author. He's an ultra-long-distance runner, and of course, yes, he is an avid traveler, so much so that he is now leading international culinary trips for a company called Modern Adventure. These trips are amazing. He, he led one to Oaxaca, and he has one coming up in a couple months to Portugal. I actually spoke with him about a trip he's leading to Peru. However, in the time since our conversation, that trip got pushed back a bit due to the unfortunate political situation in Peru right now. But that's still on the slate for 2024, as is a trip that he is leading to Patagonia. Speaking of upcoming trips, I mentioned that Gregory was kind of the ultimate example of how guests on this show influenced me. Why? After hearing him talk about Thailand, a country that he is extremely passionate about, I went out and booked my first ever trip to Thailand. I'm actually heading there later this week. I'm probably going to be there as you're listening to this show. Super excited for that. Another place that I would love to visit someday. Now is not the right time, but it was very, very inspiring. Hearing Gregory talk about his love of Haitian people and cuisine and his hopes for that country at large. We also talk a bit about an endurance adventure he had in the Grand Canyon and what it's been like opening not just one, but two restaurants in Portland in the past year. Stick around after my chat with Gregory when I talk to someone who knows a ton about opening new restaurants all over the world. He has a fascinating job as the head of the NS Moore Collections Carte Blanche Studio. We've also got future MasterChef episodes coming up with Curtis Stone, Richard Sandoval, Nina Compton, and others. So be sure to follow Travel It Matters wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, let's go on an inspiring adventure with Gregory Gordet.
Very exciting to have you on this show. And you were on, on Top Chef. You were a finalist on Top Chef twice, in fact. Twice. I read somewhere that after competing on Top Chef, it inspired you to travel the world. Just could you tell us a little bit about why that, why did that experience lead to you traveling the world? Yeah, I mean, I think Top Chef is really ultimately a test of just how much you know about food. And I quickly realized that food was so much about culture, just based off my own heritage and working in different kitchens throughout my career that were not based on my heritage and feeling that I had to research and learn about them to be successful as a chef and to also honor the cultures that we were cooking. So when you dive in, it's just really about global travel, you know, and being able to connect with communities around the world and eat their food and eat their food in their, you know, authentic settings. Obviously, like the Mission Start Kitchens to street food and everything in between, absorbing all of it as much as possible. I left Top Chef, you know, a little bit defeated, not making it to the top twice. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, every time I left, I was super inspired by the, you know, the other chef testants around me and the locations that we were like filming the finale in. And, you know, it's always just always inspired me to just want to get out there and travel the world and see food and see culture in its most authentic place. So where were the places that you went after the show? The bulk of me filming Top Chef, I was working at a Pan-Asian concept and we highlighted cuisines from China, Thailand, Vietnam, Korea, and Japan. And I love, love, love Thai food. And uh, my best friend is half Thai. So my first trip to Asia was Thailand, actually. My best friend's father took us around because her parents were living over there. And it was just really a tremendous experience. And, you know, I think for me, you know, landing in that country, that first time you're visiting somewhere and that first meal is always such a memorable experience for me. You know, like the first time I had food in Mexico, you know, like the first tacos I had in Mexico and, you know, the first grilled chicken and sticky rice I had in Thailand, you know, and the first time I had sushi in, in, in Tokyo. These are all like really life defining moments where that food memory is embedded in my head and, uh, and in my heart as well. Yeah, I just had my first shawarma in, in Tel Aviv recently. Yes, and, exactly. and you mentioned that you went to another fantastic food destination, of course. But you mentioned, you know, traveling with a friend who who was very dialed into the low. And that's the same experience we had in, in Israel recently where, you know, good friends of ours lived there and they took us all around. And, and of course, we ate in places that most Americans aren't eating in and, and saw things that most tourists aren't seeing. And, and that's such a special experience. It sounds like that was for you in Thailand. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've been very, very lucky to be able to either have colleagues or distant relatives or partners that I've been able to travel with to give me, you know, like the off the beaten path tour. And, you know, those are really incredible experiences. My friend, Shino took me to Japan and, you know, we got to eat dinner at her family's home. And, you know, that's really like something you just can't create. That's the key, you know, and Fast forward to experiences like, you know, modern adventure, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. And I think they do a really fantastic job of helping curate that experience where it's really, really off the beaten path. And um, it's really a special, rare experience you wouldn't get just by clicking online and flying over there by yourself. I definitely want to talk to you about modern adventure, Peru, a very, a very, very special place. But first, are, what, where else? You mentioned Japan, Thailand. First time I went to Korea, I've only been once, but it was like, amazing you know we traveled to south south korea and, and visited a gochujang farm and that was you know literally where i had my first meal in korea and they were fermenting gochujang and you know all the types of miso paste and chili paste and 
they just produced ingredients from the farm. That was absolutely incredible. Vietnam, I went to Phukok, where red boat fish sauce is produced and got to tour the facilities. And we had a, an amazing lunch of sardines and salad with coconut and grilled prawns and pork belly and herb wraps. And, you know, that's really one of my most memorable meals in, in Vietnam. I've been able to travel to Haiti. I had been back to Haiti in about 18 years. Going back, it brought me flashing memories of dishes I hadn't had in about 30 years from living in Queens and with my family. And, you know, like for me, when I think about traveling, I really do think about food and I really do travel for food. We have so many guests at the restaurant. They're like, oh, I, I you know, I drove from Seattle or, you know, like I flew from San Francisco. I'm like, I've literally traveled around the world to go eat at a restaurant. You know, <laughs> I love that. Oh, so, okay. You mentioned Modern Adventure. You are now leading these types of experience for this company called, called Modern Adventure. And I know I mentioned Peru. You know, I think for me, Peru represents this fantastic place where there's so much diversity, both in the landscape in terms of the biodiversity, you know, from the jungle to the mountains to everything in between, but also the culinary diversity because, you know, the makeup of the population is so culinary diverse. There's so many different influences from history, immigration, migration. And that is what forms the culture today. So, you know, I'm super excited because it's just really uh, this fantastic blend of all these different cultures and, you know, proven food is something that's quite accessible in the States. And I'm just super excited to get to the source. And I have some good friends who are Peruvian chefs and I'm excited to see firsthand what these flavors truly taste like. Are you going to, to Lima, obviously? Yes. And then yes, we start in Lima. We're taking cooking classes. We're touring the markets, obviously Machu Picchu is a huge day for us and time spent in the Andes mountain, going visiting Cusco, traditional lunches with the indigenous population. I did a tour of one of the food markets in Lima a few years back and it, it was really the high, you know, one of the highlights of that trip. And we finished it at a restaurant called La Pincanteria is what it's called. I forget the, the chef, but he, he's well known, but this is his very casual like family it's just big picnic tables and like everyone just sits at the same table and they just bring you giant whole cooked fish and it, it was such an incredible really one of the the best meals i've ever had in my life so if you can make it to la pincanteria okay i'll look it up <laughs> check it out it really i mean as a destination i think peru packs just about as much as any place on earth i mean you've got the the massive Andes Mountains. You've got the Amazon River, the tropical Amazon River. You've got the coast, and then you've got great cities with all the, you know, and like you said, all the different cultures, all the different cuisines. You walk through that market and you see 30 different types of fruits that you've never even heard of or seen in your entire life. It's the best it's, part. It's, it really <laughs> is incredibly fun and diverse. Discovering something I've never seen before is like really the, it for me, and especially, you know, like certain fruits and that you've never seen and yeah even for you i promise you will see fruits foods that you have not seen before. especially somewhere tropical right. because you know that's completely my vibe where else i i know you led a trip to oaxaca i love mexican cuisine like many i have a good friend in town who taught me how to make mole many years ago and i worked with my other colleague on perfecting that recipe so to be able to go to one of the sources of mole and experience it firsthand was really truly incredible tamales and you know clearly you know i think one of the best foods in the world oaxaca truly is like the corner capital of the world and to see how many amazing culinary dishes you can create with corn from dried corn to sweet corn to fresh corn 
is truly, truly incredible. Um, I think for me, the trip defining moments were being in like the villages and hearing the families discuss their dyeing process and all the natural materials that they use to dye the wool that you know, they produce from the sheep there in terms of like indigo and like the rocks and all the different herbs to create all these natural dyes and into these beautiful weaved rugs and articles of clothing. But then even being able to go upstairs and work with the amazing women who run the kitchens there and, you know, hand grind masa, make mole, buy stone and make a lunch out of that. You know, that truly is experiences that really kind of cap a year of travel. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Chef Gregory Gordet. You mentioned miso paste, fish sauce, and now Mexican food. Last night I made a burrito, miso paste, fish sauce, okay. broccoli, carrots, and chicken. It sounds bizarre. <laughs> and I used some some Thai red curry sauce too. I, I actually pilfered it off of a, there's a street taco stand in Puerto Vallarta that this guy, he, this is the way he used to make them. And they sound bizarre, but they're really, really good. So anyways. You know, I don't expect to see it on the menu at Cannes anytime soon. But. <laughs> no, I truly consider myself a global chef. You know, my my, my focus is Haitian and Cannes right now and, and, you know, my heritage. And obviously with Cannes, you know, we very much tap into West Africa and the African diaspora because a lot of ingredients were brought over by the enslaved from West Africa um, when France colonized Haiti. For me, my, my influences are worldwide. And just you describing that taco sounds like all the ingredients I have in my pantry, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> when I'm making myself dinner, you know, it's, it's very much so a mix of a lot of different ingredients and cultures to make something fun and delicious. And why, why do you think that your restaurant kind of has been so well received? I mean, the, the Haitian cuisine, it's not something that you see everywhere in the U.S. Why do you think it's resonated so well? Yeah, I mean, I think one, there's just a curiosity, just even with like how we were able to get our staff. A lot of people are like, hey, I've never cooked Haitian food before. I want to work at this restaurant. Presenting Haitian cuisine in this way, which is actually quite hard to get because our Haitian population, Haitian diaspora in America is generally focused in our major cities, Miami, you know, Massachusetts, Boston, you know, Brooklyn, New York, obviously all of New York. But, you know, what I have seen, it's very odd for a premier Haitian restaurant in the country to be in Portland, Oregon, but the restaurant is doing exactly what I wanted it to and bringing us together. And, and so many members of the local Haitian and Haitian American community are coming to Khan and, you know, telling me that my mom made this food and it brings me back to my childhood. And maybe they have, they moved away from Florida many years ago, or, you know, only one member in their family was Haitian, one parent was Haitian. So they only got part of that. And it's amazing for them to come and visit us and be able to experience that. Also, people from surrounding cultures, like people throughout the Caribbean and, you know, parts of northern South America can all relate to the flavors because, you know, we do share so many different ingredients. And I mean, I've had people from China and from Korea and, you know, from some lesser common ingredient focused places with Haiti find things that they say remind them of their cuisine, you know, in, in the food that we make, you know, that, and also, you know, like I've, I've loved living in Portland, Oregon. It's, I've, it's been my honor to be able to promote Portland, Oregon on a global platform. And, you know, I've literally traveled all around the world with Marion Berries or, you know, Oregon tea and just sung the story of Oregon throughout the world. You know, I think the community is just happy to see my project finally come to life. So Haiti for many years is very popular 
destination Mm -hmm. for tourists. Clearly over the past, you know, decade plus, there's been a lot of political struggles, natural disasters, so on. The country has been struggling and and I'm sure the tourism industry has largely gone away, especially for, for Americans. Do you see that? Do you see the potential coming back? Do you see Haiti becoming a, a great destination again? Yes. I feel the story of the Haitian people is a story of resilience, um, which is something that we often say. Haiti has struggled quite some time because so much of our history, you know, after becoming the world's first back republic, after leading the first successful slave revolt, being a beacon of freedom for the world, we were very much exploited for many, many years from our natural resources to our bodies to natural disasters. But I see so much good in so many of the folks that I get to speak to and hear from and people I reach out to advice on ingredients and such that there's a lot of work getting done in Haiti from the charitable organizations that I get to work with that are helping place nurses and doctors throughout Haiti, expand hospitals. I do believe there's a generation of us out there who are very much committed to furthering the success of Haiti. It's going to take some time, but you know, we're here to do it. Well, I would, I would love to see a Gregory Gordet led trip to Haiti with through modern adventure one of these days. That would be, that would be That's pretty incredible. 100% top of mind. That'd be absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually the, the answer is probably Haiti, but I'm going to ask you anyways, what of all these places you've been, like, what is the one place that stands out as your favorite food destination? For me, obviously I have to say Haiti because Growing up, all we ate was Haitian food and my parents, my mom, my grandmother, you know, my aunts, all these great maternity figures in my life always cooked. In Haitian culture, you know, Sundays are a huge day for eating a lot. It's, it's always multi-courses. So, you know, when I went back to Haiti, again, you know, so many food, food memories flooded back. And, you know, to me, these dishes just make me think of my family, makes me think of, you know, childhood and all these amazing memories. So. And if I were to have my last meal, it it would be my mom's Haitian style chicken and rice and beans for sure. (laughs) I also truly, truly do love Thai food. Thailand is one of those places I was able to travel by myself for a few weeks after going a couple of times. And, you know, I went from Phuket down up to Chiang Mai and, you know, from south to north and just ate my way through, of course, stopping in Bangkok and just to see the regional differences in the cuisine. I just love big, bold, spicy, dynamic food with lots of herbs and lots of seafood. And the food of Thailand has that all for me. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear about Gregory's unique ultra running trip through the Grand Canyon. Is there something else that inspires you to travel? I actually saw you were a, you studied zoology or, or wildlife biology at the University of Montana. I did. And like, so do you, is that something? Do you go out and, and seek out wildlife experiences in your travels? I mean, I think my favorite non-food trip was running down into the Grand Canyon. So my really good friend, Willie McBride, he has a, a group called Hawaii's Wolfpack and they are kind of like outdoor athletics based. You know, he's run like 240 mile races. He's like, an extreme ultra runner. He's my running coach. We took a fantastic trip down to the Grand Canyon a few years ago and we trained for months. I mean, he was already in great shape, but we ran multiple miles down into the Grand Canyon three days in a row. Um, and we started with about a, t- a 10 mile run the first day and then like a 15 mile run 
the second day and then like a 20 something mile run the third day. And we made it all the way down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon along the Colorado River, hung out and then hiked our way back up. I mean, it was just incredible to be, you know, in such a beautiful, natural place, physically exerting yourself and, you know, the weather was perfect. So I like to be outdoors. That's that's why I'm so planted rootly uh, in Portland, Oregon, because the great outdoors is actually critical to my mental health and uh, my happiness for sure. I saw that you've run a couple of 50 mile races, which yes. is, is pretty incredible. That, that does take a particular mindset, you know, one that clearly likes the outdoors, but more than that, how does that like, you know, that long distance, ultra long distance runners mindset, does that affect the way you travel or, or plan travel or anything like that? I mean, for me, it, it truly is about escape and working in a restaurant where every night, you know, I'm around 200 guests talking to many of them, feeding all of them experiences like, you know, running in the woods by myself, or I love getting on planes, you know, like I, I don't physically like traveling, but I love being able to, you know, grab my pack, get my luggage and like that, you know, ride to the airport and then getting on that plane. And I think it's like an amazing time of quiet and just excitement. And it's really one of my most favorite feelings is like the anticipation of getting to a new destination or a favorite old destination, or, you know, maybe it's like a really quick trip. You just have just a couple of days, but you're going to go and spend that time and just go to your favorite restaurant in like Barcelona or go meet up with an old friend, you know, in Tokyo for a few days, or maybe you're traveling by yourself. You know, a couple of years ago, I, I did six weeks in Asia by myself and that was really tremendous as well. So it's all about escape for me and, and, and finding what you can and, you know, connecting to the woods or, you know, just connecting to amazing cultures worldwide. Yeah, I love, it's funny you say that about the getting on the plane. Like for me, a lot of times I have a hard time anticipating until that process of I'm going to the airport yeah. and then it all starts to sink in and oh, wow, this is real, this is really happening. And you get excited. Like you're leaving work and yeah. you're packing yeah. and like you're dealing with them. I'm dealing with my plants and, you know, like <laughs> cleaning out the fish. Yeah, that is. And then, you know, you get on the plane and, you know, you're just excited for that flight. So what are you excited aside from Peru? Where, where are you excited to go? Go next. So for me, I'd really love to go to West Africa. That's pretty much number one on my list of places to go. Again, just as I dove into Asian culture and cuisine, what are the Asian restaurants, you know, now that we are doing a Haitian concept, I think it's really important that I travel to Haiti. And a lot of our cuisine is, is based off our West African ancestry. So I'd really, really love to make it to West Africa and have tons of friends from throughout West Africa, from Ivory Coast to Nigeria. So there's so many great countries over there that I would love, love, love to visit. And that's just a question of time. <laughs> and also finding the people who are going to show us around, you, you know, in like a very thoughtful way. And, you know, that's definitely an, an off the bean path trip and just securing the right folks to take us around. What about professionally? Chef, entrepreneur, I know you, you have two restaurants now in Portland. And wh wh what's next for you there? The Restaurant College is a Haitian concept. It's an elevated dinner house. And then we have Sousol, which is our bar, um, which lies underneath Khan. It's subterranean. It's dark. It's moody. It's really fantastic. It's a pan-Caribbean concept, kind of tapping into the rums and spirits and foods of the broader pan-Caribbean. The bar wasn't even a concept until last year. We fell into a space. It was never you know, planned. It was just the existing space designed for a bar underneath the restaurant. So we dove in and created a concept for that. It's been going really great. We, I love the bar, but you know, it's a lot for someone, you know, like I don't have a huge investment group behind me, you know, like 
It's me and my business partner. We did a lot of work in over the past four years. And, you know, we got the restaurant up and running in nine months and especially just coming out of the pandemic and permitting and, you know, supply chain issues. So, and now we've, we're like outgrowing where we think we should be right now. So it's all been quite of a lot. Maybe, you know, we'll open another restaurant somewhere else in the country one day. <laughs> no rush, no rush. All right. Well, one question I have to ask every chef that I speak with is what and where is the best meal you've had in, in you know, past year? Let's past say. year. Okay. So I've been thinking about this and I have two. Good. Statewide, my friend Kwame Nwachi, he uh, opened up a restaurant named Tatiana in New York City. And it was just a fantastic time. I was able to go just a couple weeks ago on a quick trip to New York City. And, you know, he is from the Bronx and has a very, very diverse background. You know, he has Jamaican heritage, Nigerian heritage. He spent time down south and he's also from New York. So New York is, has so many different cultures um, in the cuisine there. So his food has this really broad New York centric kind of Pan-African um, diasporic take, but it's like really fun. It's really delicious. It's it's well plated. You know, he has fine dining experience under his chops. He's a great cook. So that was really one of my, my most memorable meals. Globally, I was just in Morocco with Modern Ventures and we were in the Atlas Mountains. We drove to the Atlas Mountains. We hiked for about a mile and a half uphill in like the beaming sun. It was a glorious day. And we were hosted by a Berber family and we did a cooking class with them. We made three different types of tagine. We feast on dates and nuts. We drank tons of Moroccan mint tea. And, you know, we were just in their little home nestled in this rock formation mountain. There's really nothing to look up to besides the blue sky and encircling birds. And it was a memorable, memorable experience. And one of the memos that defined 2022 for me. I just reached back to grab a photo that I'm going to show you. No, sorry, listeners can't see it, but this is of my daughter washing her hands at, at a Berber at a Berber home in the Atlas Mountains. Yes, and we had—I mean, the tea and the food—it was—it's uh, such incredible, a great experience. Again, one of those destinations where I think people think of Marrakesh when they think mm -hmm. of Morocco, and Marrakesh is magical and and fantastic. But again, the coast, the mountains, the multiple different cultures and cuisines—it is such. I was only there for five days and I'm like, I, I have to go back for, you know, two weeks or at least. So that's definitely, definitely repeat. I'd it. love to go running, love a running trip through the Atlas Mountains. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's one of those places you can, you can surf and snowboard or ski in the same day. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely more to it than, than most people think. Well, Gregory, this has been really fascinating. It, it's so great to, to see you and talk to you and, and hear about these great trips that you have coming up. And I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that modern adventure trip to Haiti one of these days. In the meantime, hopefully we'll see you in Portland. Yes, please come visit anytime. Just let me know. Thanks so much. And now for the Wallen Wrap-Up. What a pleasure and inspiration, of course, it was speaking with Gregory today. In addition to Thailand, I really want to figure out a way to get on one of those modern adventure trips with him. I mentioned up top that we have another very special guest on this episode, someone who has an extremely cool job where food and travel converge. His name's Wayne Brown, and he runs something called Carte Blanche for the Ennismore Collective. Now, Ennismore is a group of lifestyle hotels and resorts like Mondrian and SLS and Mama Shelter. And Carte Blanche is basically, it's their in-house F&B studio that they created to develop restaurants and bars and nightclubs for their properties all over the world. As we know from Gregory, 
and just our basic common sense, of course, opening up new restaurants is not an easy task. So we just talked to Gregory Gorday, and one of the things that we talked about a little bit was opening up new restaurants, right? And kind of all the work and, and effort and, and difficulty that goes into that. But you're opening up restaurants all the time with this carte blanche concept. Can you just tell us a little bit about what carte blanche is and how that process works with opening up a restaurant? No, absolutely. You're on the money, Bruce. We're opening one hotel a month at the moment. And what that entails is we're a hospitality studio. We create our concepts start to finish in-house, working with incredible partners. We're very much working with up-and-coming chefs, established chefs, mixologists, just anyone who is the best in their, their field within the hospitality world. And from start to finish, we, we create the program. So if I go back a, a process of two years, it's from the initial pulse report is what we call this. And this is us learning the bones of the city, getting in under the belly of it and just seeing where, where the F&B scene is going, particularly who are the move makers, what's up and coming, what's been done, what hasn't worked, all the way to, to opening the doors and running the venue itself. You mentioned the local scene. So does that mean like if you're opening in Mexico City, is it 100% going to be a Mexican restaurant? Are you 100% working with a local chef? Like how much does the local food culture play into that process? And the key here is that we are all F&B specialists. We're all restaurateurs and nightlife guys and we're all coming from operations backgrounds. And, you know, hand on heart, we haven't come from the hotel world in any capacity. So funny enough, we opened a, a hotel in Mexico City last December, opened up three concepts, and it was very much a mixed bag. You know, there was a one uh, restaurant that we wanted to be hyper-local, Sky Bar, and this is bringing in the nuances of Mexico City and more importantly, Condesa and Roma and, and everything that the locals will buy into, having a named chef, working with the menu development, and then another concept that was a little bit more an iconic brand for us, Clio Restaurant, which we've opened throughout LA and Miami and New York over the years. So it's really case by case. It really comes down to the opportunity, comes down to who we're, we're targeting and who we want to work with. Talk to us about that a little bit. Like, are there concepts that you're developing here that, you know, maybe you're opening up in a new hotel, but the intention is to create a chain of restaurant and chain might be the, right, the wrong word here, but you know, to, to roll out the restaurant concept as a standalone. There's a few concepts that they're very, very chef driven. They're hyper, hyper localized. It's, it's literally, if you remove the chef, you lose the concept. And we do have a few like this where it is one location, but ideally we're working with a partner and, you know, we want to do two, three, four locations globally or, or where it makes sense. Talk to us about some of these restaurants you, you mentioned wholly tied to a specific chef. What are, what are some of the exciting restaurants that you've opened like that? We have a great partner from, uh, from London. We can't announce it just yet, but we're opening in Barcelona. 50 Best Mixology, literally top five in the world. So that kind of narrows it down just a little bit. Okay, <laughs> we'll keep an eye out for that one there. What are some of the other exciting projects you have coming up? So we're opening Singapore, Mondrian, Singapore tomorrow. I literally just came back from, from Singapore. We're working with Dario Caccini, eight-generation uh, master butcher. He's an incredible guy. We've done a concept with him called uh, Bottega di Cano. And this here is, again, bringing the trattorias of, uh, of Tuscany through, but done with Dario's finesse and Dario's uh, ethos. This is a particularly exciting project. And again, opening June 1st. That's fantastic. Dario, fantastic, fantastic meets. 
and he carries around a little horn with him, doesn't he? And, oh, yes. and blew- <laughs> I'll bet you didn't know that I knew that, but I've been at an event with him and, and he blows that, or I don't know what he calls that thing, but it's hysterical. It's really funny because he says to me, he's like, Wayne, he's like, it's impolite to break up conversation within the room. You know, let's say you're coming out, you're talking, you're doing a demonstration and, you know, you want the room's attention. Be dramatic. If you're going to do it, be dramatic. That, that's the <laughs> philosophy right there. It's, it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, speaking Singapore, on the subject of Asia, I know you spent a lot of time there, lived there for an extended period of time. Talk to us about some of your favorite deaths. I'm guessing Singapore is going to be one of them, but talk to us about some of your favorite spots in Asia for cuisine. And I, and I should preface this by saying that, you know, in our conversation with Gregory, he couldn't speak highly enough about Thailand, so much so that I'm actually going to Thailand in a couple of weeks because I was so inspired by our conversation. So inspire me, Wayne. I'm again, chef, 21 years old. I was halfway through my uh, apprenticeship in Australia and I had a two for one trip to Japan. No other reason than to go there just on an affordable ticket to check out the city first time abroad. And I was in Tokyo, Osaka and Kyoto for a total of five days. Absolutely stole my heart. Culturally, from people, from food, from drink, just the hospitality. And literally I spent the next 10 years coming and going from Japan Lived there for three years working in Tokyo, learning the language, learning the culture, learning the food. And honestly, like I, I can't talk more highly about Japan. And you know, it's it's this was 2009 when when I, I made this trip. And you know, it's a little more mainstream now. But the thing that's beautiful about Japan, the moment you leave Tokyo, it's completely traditional. Very, very limited in times of westernization. Like you leave, you leave the main street and it becomes very, very Japanese very quickly. And the idea here is whether it's food, whether it's drink, whether it's just cultural experiences, there's a depth, there's an intentionality to everything that they do. And honestly, the restaurants they do, the style of food that they do, they could work for 30 years only making yakitori and have literally 10 items on the menu and never do anything different. And they just perfect what they do. It's, it's truly remarkable. Outside of that, Again, I lived about a year in Korea. My wife's from Korea, spent a long time there. And the food culture, a complete shift from Japan. This is very communal. This is very expressive. It's very, your heart is on your sleeve kind of like culture. And the food, the spiciness, the, the warmth is just remarkable. So these trips, I mean, Japan in particular, you're, you're 21 years old. Did that, were you already planning to work in, in the culinary world? Or was that something that, you know, changed the course of your life? No, I was studying to be a chef. I was halfway through my apprenticeship. Europe was where I wanted to go. I was going to finish my study and go to Europe and massive pivot and put me on track to where I am today. It was literally go to Japan, learn the culture more importantly. It wasn't necessarily about Japanese food, but very, very quickly I fell in love with it. And very, very quickly, uh, the style of what they do is, is super impressive. All right. So you just got back from Singapore after opening up a new concept there. Where, where are you off to next and what's the next concept you're opening up? Sure. I'm heading to Ibiza over the weekend. We're opening a, a Hyde Hotel in a Mondrian in a place called Carla Longa on the east coast of Ibiza. I mean, it's serene, beautiful, honestly. And uh, we're launching a, a couple of new concepts there. A Japanese concept called Nico. So again, very much playing to that izakaya culture of Japanese food, but a little more tranquil, very much a coastal restaurant. Very excited about this. And we're also doing a, a nightclub we're actually opening up. Gorilla Gorilla is a new nightclub that we're working on quite fun, quite exciting. What kind of team goes into this, the carte blanche concept, like developing all these, all these restaurants and, and nightclubs and, and bars? What kind of team do you have supporting that? 
Yeah, honestly, the, our belief here is generalist is not the way to go. We're all specialists. We all focus on swim lanes is what we like to call it. We have an incredible nightlife team that, that only focus on nightlife. They've got their own vices. If you've got a nightlife guy that doesn't have a vice, he's not a nightlife guy. So we make sure we, we have the right people there. In terms of operations, very, very particular people that know how to run a dining room, know how to design a dining room, more importantly. And we match them up with our culinary team and our beverage team. So again, very, very specialized roles, very, very prescriptive briefs. And we want people to be a specialist in what they do. So we have a, a great team of people in Carp Launch. And equally with the specialization, we have people that's based all around the world because localization is the next big piece. We've got to know what's happening in, in a place like Singapore, a place like Dubai, London, Miami, LA. It's crucial that we, we tee these people up for, for success with the right specialists behind it. Wow. Very fun. Very exciting and very cool job that you have here from Singapore to Ibiza. Wayne, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been great. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'd like to thank Gregory Gorday and Wayne Brown for joining us today on Travel That Matters. For more information about their restaurants and projects, please check out our show notes or visit kurtco.com backslash travel that matters. Travel That Matters is produced and edited for Kurtco Media by AJ Mosley. Music by Joey Salvia. Marketing by Katrin Skipertis. And hosted by me, Bruce Wallen. And we will see you down the road.